Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. We're going to go to the Christmas story today, Luke chapter 1. I invite you to follow along with us in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. God is with you. Mary was greatly troubled. Now that word troubled means fearful. Troubled is uh, dumbing it down a bit. She was downright fearful. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Don't we all seek to hear those words? You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants, in other words, over all humanity forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary has a question. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. I can't imagine her saying this too loud. I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Second mention of that. Will be called Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Wow, we can just go to the bank on that one, can't you? Verse 37, no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Father, we just ask that you would open our hearts to understand these words in a fresh way this morning. Lord, I believe it's not coincidental when your word is taken into our hearts that you have something to say. You are trying to reveal something and oftentimes you are trying to, again, do another miracle in our lives. Do it today, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Title of my message this morning around this Christmas story is Fear Not. It's a good time in our lives to just address the issue of fear. Uh, We are probably at an all-time high in anxiety and fear. A lot of unknowns. But outside of that just being just with world events happening right now is within our families 
I was just talking to somebody at the beginning of the service that probably the biggest thing we here at the church have been experiencing in the last 18 to 20 months has been uh, this sense of despair. Despair. And that comes out of a number of other issues that have arisen during times like this that have effects not just in, again, world events, but trickle effects with relationships, effects with regard to our own bodies. Uh, You know, it's a tough time to go to the doctor these days, isn't it? It's a tough time to get a surgery these days. It's a tough time to even get in to be seen these days. Uh, You know, there's something I... I was trying to get somebody in for, and, and just it's just not going to happen. And I'm just thinking, these are, these are the strangest of times. And there's a whole fear comes out of that. And anxiety. Our jobs. Hmm. Um, last week, Lori and I had stopped by a nearby restaurant, a Subway, to pick up a sandwich. Subway, by the way, is one of my favorite places. Eat fresh. So we stopped by, and I don't get paid for that. No, no compensation for supporting Subway. But we stopped by. But I've been developing a relationship, I think, with this Iranian man. And we really wanted to support him because he's gone through some tough times. He's lost a number of people over this time. And I uh, went back in and just really dialogued uh, last Sunday with him. And, and he's just so worn out, just absolutely worn out. Just shared a little bit about what's going on there. And, and, and the anxiety, you could feel that, the concern that came out of... This man doing everything he can, and it's just crazy the hours. He's got to be putting in probably 80 to 90 hours a week in his business just to keep the doors open. And I was thinking, okay, today let's talk about fear. Because we've got good source here at the Christmas story when it comes to the issue of fear. Fear is one of the most devastating emotions known to humanity. There was a series, and it's been on three times. I actually went on to check that just uh, this morning because I, I was thinking, how many have heard of the series? It was a television series called The Fear Factor. How many have heard of it? Okay, okay, so you're tracking with me. I didn't realize it had come on three different times. Went on, went off the air for a few years, went back on, off the air, went on, back on, off the air. Three different times. I understand it's not on right now. The Fear Factor. The Fear Factor, the show was built around fear. And I admit, we were intrigued. We watched a number of the episodes on The Fear Factor. The series, The Fear Factor, the point of the series was the contestants were taken to the brink of their fears. They were taken to moments beyond their comfort zone. So I don't know what your fear is. I'm discovering in this church, there's a lot of people afraid of spiders, Okay, I'm just getting an acknowledgement on that. You're getting a, I'm getting a word on that. I can't get over how many people are afraid of spiders. Uh, we might have to have this whole session on just getting rid of that fear. Um, insects, uh, some endearingly call them, uh, uh, I'm trying to think what my um, office administrator, creepy crawlers. That, yeah, that's what it is. She's, yeah, she's, creepy crawlers. She don't even call them by name because it brings too much fear. Creepy crawlers. Uh, so some of you can, maybe that's your, that's your fears. Others, you have different fears. That's not it. Uh, and so the point of this particular show, The Fear Factor, was to take you to the brink of your comfort zone and beyond. So it could be in water. 
you're submerged and the fear of not getting your next breath. Now, that would be probably mine. That's pretty high for me. Um, some would ride their bicycle across a six-inch beam 100 feet high in the air. Now, if you kind of get a little, your hair goes up on that one, and your breathing goes a little erratic, okay, that's a fear issue. Others were laying in a casket of maggots trying to untie yourself. Now, that's kind of creepy. There's a number of creepy ones on this show. Others, you had to lay in a box uh, and you had to untie yourself with snakes slithering over you. Um, others, that you had to eat raw fish guts. Okay, like why even? Or eat animal eyes. I remember seeing one, they had to eat animal eyes and apparently they pop. Um, and there was one I saw that you had to drink 100-year-old eggnog. Okay, who preserves eggnog for 100 years? Like, can you imagine your grandpa saying, oh, by the way, the cellar down there, don't touch any of that. That's eggnog. And, you're kind of, and your grandpa's dead by then. You're still preserving. So I'm just like, who would preserve eggnog for 100 years? So I'm, I'm curious how they even had 100-year-old eggnog. Those were some of the fear factors. Um, I guess here's the point. The point of the fear factor was take you to a place where fear will paralyze you. And fear does that. Freezes you. It will cause you not to do things you should do and cause you to do things you shouldn't do. It paralyzes you. No one is immune to fear. And there's healthy fear. There's healthy fear. You don't want to go home and touch your fireplace if there's a live fire in it. That's a healthy fear. You don't want to have to walk right up to the precipice of a cliff if you don't need to. It's a healthy fear. There's healthy fear. But there's a lot of, and most of the fear is unhealthy. And according to the experts, and of course we hear that thrown out all the time today, say that 70 to 80% of that which we are afraid of never comes to pass. So my goodness, what a waste of time. We could just get rid of 70 to 80%. We would have a lot more life to live if we didn't fear things that tend to paralyze us. Uh, no one is immune to fear. Young, old, experienced, inexperienced. Fear is a factor. Fear causes ulcers, heart attacks, and other physical problems. Luke 21, 26. Men's hearts... Fail them for fear and for looking after those things from which coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. No, our hearts will fail for fear. So fear is a real issue. However, in the midst of this, the Lord constantly is encouraging us, but you don't have to be afraid. With God, you don't have to be afraid. Fear now becomes, in Christ, a choice. We were just reading this morning before, every, before you all started gathering here with just the volunteers we got together. We went to Galatians chapter 5, the first verse. It says, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, kind of a strange phraseology of that verse. It was for freedom. In other words, it was so that you don't have to be afraid. It was so that you don't have to be in bondage. It was so that you don't have to be paralyzed. He came. So you don't have to. Now it becomes in Christ. Now fear becomes a choice. You don't have to. Now there's some things you're going to continue to be anxious about. But you don't have to live with the fear that paralyzes. 
And this morning I want to look at three people in the Christmas story who I think their story is a story for us to realize we don't have to live in fear, especially this Christmas. I want to talk about Mary, because that was the one we just read. I, if I took a bit more time, we could talk about Joseph, her husband, would-be husband. And let's talk about the, those farmers. Got to have the farmers in there, right? Those, the shepherds. We're going to talk about the shepherds. So Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and all three of them, in the Christmas story, were told, stop being afraid. So we're going to pull that out. And what was happening in their life, because I think it can be applied to yours and my life, especially this Christmas season. So let's start with our dear Mary. Mary, fear not the impossible. Young Mary lived in a town called Nazareth. One day, this young woman was occupied about her household duties. An angel, Gabriel, visited her. He informed her that she was to become the mother of the one most high, the mother of God. <laughs> okay, that's just, how do you get your head around that? Okay, he's coming in human flesh and you are to bring him into this world. Now that's a pretty significant thing. It gets lost in the story. We have all cutesy songs we sing at this season, but the power of that announcement would have shaken her to her bones. She was going to bring to this earth the son of God? Luke, 21, Luke 1 verse 29 records her fearful response. She's, it says, Mary was greatly troubled. Greatly troubled means she was, in this is Wayne's paraphrase, she was scared spitless. Scared her to her bones. It means fear. Greatly troubled. The angel acknowledged this when the angel said, Mary, don't be afraid. Saw her. So the angel saw fear in her. So either he saw her trembling Saw her turn pale. Maybe she kind of, you know, staggered for a bit. Uh, you know, maybe she turned and was ready to run. Whatever it was, the angel, hey, Mary, Mary, whoa. You don't have to be afraid here. Spoke to her about her fears. Why was she fearful? Four basic things come to my mind. Number one, well, to have this baby was physically and biologically impossible. She's a virgin after all. You don't get pregnant. Secondly, who would even believe her if she was still a virgin? I mean, that's a whole fearful thing. Like, if this happens, my life is ruined. Which brings you to number three. What about Joseph? I mean, she's living her life for Joseph. She's about to get married. She's betrothed to him. What would her future with Joseph now hold? Oh, no. And fourthly, well, even her own life, the penalty of adultery, and that's what they would perceive this to be. The penalty of adultery is death. And so Gabriel speaks to her and said, verse 37, Mary, do not fear. Then he says this, for nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Was it biologically impossible to conceive in her condition? Yes. Could she naturally bear God's son, think about that. Could a woman naturally bear God's son who's outside the realm of the physical universe? Could a physical small being bear a son? No. And shouldn't she lose her life according to the law of the day? Well, you, well yes, that was the law. 
But here's the point. With God, all things are possible. You know, so let's remind ourselves. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say all things are possible? Go ahead. All things are possible. Okay, you just speak to somebody. All things are possible. I like to take the word when it says, you know, with God all things are possible. I want to take the impossibilities because we so often see impossibility. This is impossible. It'll never happen. This is impossible. This is impossible. And I like to take the big H and put it in front of the I and him possible. With God all things are him Through him, it's possible. And that's what Gabriel was saying. Mary, you don't have to be given to fear here about the impossibilities. For with God, all things are possible. I want to just pause here before I go on to Joseph. Because there are probably some situations that you are facing that are impossible. You're thinking of somebody. And I am, even as I say this. I'm thinking of somebody thinking... For God to do what needs to be done, it's going to be it's impossible. I'm thinking about some situations physically. Oh, this is impossible. It'll never, it'll never come about. Or I'm thinking of some situations when it comes just to a natural thing that's happening in somebody's life, and it's just like, well, the situation's impossible. And God wants you to not lose faith. With God, all things are possible. So don't be afraid. Believe. Don't be afraid. Believe. Let's go to the second one. Let's go to Joseph. Fear not the incomprehensible. Joseph was a man of good credentials. He was a man of, of he, he was well in good standing in the community. Matthew chapter 1 verse 19, it says, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He was a man, a righteous man, in good standings with the community. So this, let's just look at Joseph for a second. We've talked of Mary. Joseph, how hard and hurtful it must have been when Mary went to Joseph and said, Joseph, this is really hard for me, but I'm pregnant. Okay? How hard that moment would be on Joseph. How it must have been unbearable for Joseph, his love for his would-be wife, that he's been betrayed. I mean, how else do you look at it? And Joseph knew the penalty, that if something wasn't done, the penalty was death for her. Deuteronomy 22, verse 23, tells us of the penalty. It says, if a man happens to meet in a town, a virgin pledged to be married, and he sleeps with her, verse 24, you shall take them both to the town gate and stone them to death. Kind of harsh, isn't it? The girl, because she was in town and did not scream for help, and the man, because he violated another man's wife, who would be married, you must purge the evil from among you. That was the law, the law of the day. Joseph's confused. He's confused. What's he to do? And the angel shows up and addresses his fear. Matthew 1, 20. But after he could consider this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do note that, son of David, just wasn't, hey, Joe, no, Joseph, son of David. Why is that important? Because he's from the lineage of David. It's through that, the child. Joseph, son of David. Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid. Take Mary 
as your wife. This is from the Holy Spirit. Now, what the angel was saying was the wildest of things. It was incomprehensible what, she was, what the angel was saying. I mean, righteous people, first of all, don't marry adulterers. However, God said something about this back prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 55, 9, it says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. How many here you know God's thoughts are way higher than our thoughts? He's outside our head. He really is totally outside our head. When I begin to try to figure things out, that's okay. And we're not to be mindless. Not to leave our brains at the door. But always remember, his ways are beyond our ways. See, my ways are pretty restricted to trying to understand something. And I'm going to be honest, there's a lot in this world I don't understand. For instance, I don't understand women. I hear some men saying amen, but not too loud if your wife is here. I don't, okay, there's a lot in this world I don't understand. I don't understand so much. I don't understand the cycle of life even. Uh, the ability of, of, of giving birth and life coming from a seed is just boggles my mind. Uh, and, and things unseen, you know, like viruses that can take life. I just, I, mm, I have a hard time grasping that. I have a hard time grasping people. Of course, people are the hardest to understand. So, okay, it's a given. God's outside that. He it's outside our ability to understand. We come back to that scripture. As the heavens are higher than the earth. In other words, as the universe is bigger than just this little ball. As that is true. And we acknowledge that. God's ways are higher than yours. Well, how high are his ways? Well, let's compare it to the universe. The universe to this little tiny ball. As The more we grow and understand, we understand how amazing this universe is. How, how he stretched it out. And the endlessness of it. And then this little tiny ball. So, I mean, I can't comprehend the ball, let alone, okay, I just have to trust you. His ways are higher. That's how he compares it. My ways are out there. And he says, my thoughts, then your thoughts. So if you think of something and you think that it has to be that way, well, just be prepared. God's ways might not be that. That may make sense. But God sees it so differently. And I like what this... I had a board member, he used to always use this expression, the little knot in the fence. When you look through a little knot in the fence, all you can see is a small little world. But if you were to look over the fence, you see a whole different world. I used to like the, a program. I would go when I was younger to a, a ball game or a hockey game, and I'd get the program, and I'd roll it up, and I'd be looking around. And, and then the cool thing, and then you pull it away, and you see all, everything else as a kid. That's the picture. My, my thoughts are beyond those things. This is how you see this is how I see. So Joseph, Joseph, I know you can't comprehend it. You can't understand it. You can't get it in your head. It's okay. Because he's the God of the incomprehensible. His ways are above your ways. Joseph, you don't have to be afraid of the things you don't understand. And maybe that's a word for us today. There's things we just can't get our head around. It's okay. It's okay. I was reading a scripture and a part of what we were sharing before the service. We're called to not have to understand each other. We're called to carry one another's burdens. 
So I don't have to understand the person I carry the burden of before I start carrying your burden. I just have to come alongside and say, are you weighed down with the burden? I'll come alongside and give you a hand. I'm not here to be your judge because I don't understand your story and I don't have to understand your story. But I can help you. And God was saying to Joseph, Joseph, don't be afraid. Although you can't comprehend, my ways are better. Trust me. And I want to go to the farmers now. Let's end with the farmers, the best of the last, the shepherds. And to the shepherds, fear not the supernatural. Fear not the supernatural. The shepherds had very little social standing in the day of Jesus. Uh, poverty was typical amongst the shepherds. They were isolated from all temple activity. They felt unworthy. They were seen as the unworthy, the lower crest of society. They didn't associate with holy people. They didn't associate with righteous people. And besides, quite frankly, the shepherds stunk. Literally. When you hang out with sheep, you don't smell good. So they did not consider themselves of a class to be hanging out with the, 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 the people that had things. And probably typical to farmers, they spent their days talking about the latest farming trends, complaining about the government. Trust me, I know what farmers complain about. And about the poor sheep market, right? Hands in pocket, straw out of their mouth. They would have been talking, hat on lock. They would have been talking about those, grumbling about the issues of the day as mere shepherds. The Bible says, suddenly the sky lit up with an angelic host praising God. Wouldn't that have been amazing to see? Wouldn't that be amazing? Hanging out, you know, shepherds, whether the, how many of them were together, and the sky lighting up, and like I, no matter what pictures I've seen of that, my imagination ramps it up another ten times. I just see, I mean, when it says the sky lit up, the sky lit up, and, and, and then them singing and the music, and it would have freaked me out. Yeah, I would have been, you know, speed dialed to the psychiatrist and said, okay, we have to, I'm going to lay in your couch for a while. You know, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. It would have been amazing. Absolutely amazing. The shepherds, when all this took place, Luke 2, 10, let's pick it up. It says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Mm. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign, knowing how shepherds think. Oh, got to prove it. Got to prove it. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great cloud of heavenly hosts appeared, angel praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest. Now, we didn't say they sang. It just said they said it. They were praising God. They may have sang it. They may have had instruments. They, it says they said they praise God, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Uh, fright, the Bible says fright gripped them. Fright gripped them. Because this was, normally if something like this happened, this was impending judgment and danger. And the host says, don't be afraid. So here's the third one, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the supernatural. Don't be afraid of what God can do. You see, we live our lives 
by the natural. You do this, you get that. You do this, you cause an effect. But God is saying, don't be afraid of the supernatural. I remember somebody one time telling me, it was a prophet, one time telling me, he says, when we get to heaven, we're going to realize that what we believed on earth as the supernatural really was the natural. And what we thought was natural really was, was abnormal. And I thought, that is true. When we get to heaven, the natural is the supernatural. God is spirit, and in, through him all things move. So the supernatural is the natural. We are just confined to some very limited things, cause and effect here on this earth. And those farmers, shepherds, fear not the supernatural. These were poor and despised men. I mean, this message to these guys, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 we read, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Listen, when you feel you haven't got much to give, when you feel you're not one of them, they're, they're righteous, they're the holy ones, they're, you know, they're the ones who know God, but I'm just really struggling. I, I struggle with my faith every day. And you're struggling in that camp, feeling you don't deserve God. I mean, not a visitation. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew eleven five, The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. Note this part. And the good news is preached to who? The well-off? The arrogant? The kings? The princess? No, to the poor. Because they get it. They're just humble before. And the, it says here, and the good news is preached to the poor. James 2, 5. Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of this world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he's promised to those who love him? And the answer is yes. That's a, that's a rhetorical question. The answer is yes. If you feel disqualified, unqualified, join with the shepherds. Don't fear the supernatural. For the supernatural God wants to do is for you. Don't fear the supernatural. You need to hear God is using you for supernatural plans. The supernatural has oftentimes caused fear. I mean, I just began to flip through the New Testament, and I realized whenever there was a supernatural demonstration, typically the first response was fear. What about the time the disciples supernaturally caught a net full of fish? The Bible says, Peter fell down, afraid. What about the time where the paralytic man got up, he picked up his mat and began to walk supernaturally? The Bible says the crowd was seized with fear. What about when Jesus appeared to his disciples that first Easter morning? They were hanging out, they locked the doors, they closed the blinds, and then Jesus just like walked through and he came and showed up supernaturally, and they all were afraid of him. What about John and the island of Patmos in the book of Revelation where the Bible says when he had a revelation of Jesus, supernaturally, the Bible says he fell down at his feet dead. He was afraid. Point is this. Do not fear the supernatural. Don't fear the supernatural. I was just uh, thinking through this a little bit this morning and, and uh, I picked up my phone before I came here and I had saw an email come from a dear friend of ours from Cuba. Our church has taken on a relationship with a number of pastors, leaders in the church in Cuba, 
Uh, we, we pray for each other. We are colleagues in the faith. It's a tough country. Cuba's a tough country, communist-driven, and uh, under dictatorship, and the churches have not had freedom, and they're under a lot of oppression right now. A lot of oppression right now. Uh, and uh, this uh, district superintendent had, had written this. And I'd read it a number of times, but it really hit me this morning. It really hit me. I thought, I mean, it hit me so much I'm going to share with you. Here's the verse he put out. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And I reread it, reread it, reread it. But we do not belong to those who shrink back. There are those who are shrinking back. We don't belong to them. Because often their faith is destroyed. But we belong to those who have faith and are saved. And he was making a declaration of faith. And I was looking at that and I thought, well, what's the context? You always have to read the scripture within the context. So I slid back to verse 19. The context was this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most high by the blood of Jesus. Now there's why we can have faith. There's why we don't have to shrink back. There's why we don't have to be fearful. I'm going to read it again. You have confidence to enter into the most high. Not one day in the great by and by. Right now, today, on December the 19th, right now, you have confidence to enter into the most highs place. How? The confidence is by the blood of Jesus. By salvation. By salvation. That's why in the scripture it says, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith. It's not a given to everybody. Not everybody is in this place. But when you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have confidence right now before him to enter into his presence. And then just about two verses later it says, let us therefore draw near to... So let's draw near. That's yours. That's my place. Wayne, step forward in your faith. Let us therefore draw near to God with a sincere heart. And here it is. And with the full assurance that faith brings. Faith brings you assurance. Not by what you see will bring you the assurance. The, the fears were things that were of the natural. But by faith, the angel or the Lord himself was saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So it read, I read it again. Draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled from a guilty conscience. Ah, full assurance that faith brings. Let's receive that. Don't be afraid of anything that's impossible today. Whatever you're facing... With God, nothing's impossible. Don't be afraid of what you can't comprehend. Let's remember, God's not limited to your understanding, and we all want to say thank you, Jesus, to that. He's not limited to your and my understanding. Don't be afraid of the supernatural. Whatever you feel about yourself, disqualified, don't be afraid. For we, don't, we no longer live in the realm of the natural. In Christ Jesus, you and I live in the realm of also the supernatural. We put our faith and trust in Him. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. 
remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.